Give me back tomorrow for taking all that I can stand. Throw the weight of the world from the palm of your hand. Gather round the fire, together we will rise. Keep your feet on the ground, keep your eye on the prize. Oh. Good morning. Welcome to Lift Your Spirits Radio with Dina Marie on 1150 AM KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. I'm Bernadette Pager with Informed Choice Washington, your host today. I hope you are all feeling well and taking steps to create a healthy immunity environment in your home, in your place of work, if you're allowed to go there, and in your body. Health is not complicated. And resistance to infection is not complicated, but creating a healthy immunity environment can be very challenging when it means we have to start new habits. People hate to change. I know that. I'm, I'm right in there. If I didn't have a mother that loved to try every new health fad growing up, it would be difficult for me too, but she gave me the gift of being... Uh, um, willing to try new foods and to eat to to be healthy as opposed to just eat for flavor. It was a great gift my mother gave me. But I know that changing food habits, lifestyle habits is very hard. So you don't have to do it all at once as you're getting information from all over the place. You're being bombarded with what to do to stay healthy. Just know you don't have to incorporate it all at once. You can take baby steps. You can do little things every day that will make a big difference in your immune system and in your environment that would decrease your ability to become infected and to keep you healthy and get through anything if you are exposed. I wanna give a little shout out this morning to Dina Marie. Hello, Dina. Thank you so much for this opportunity to host Lift Your Spirits. Now more than ever, we need our spirits lifted and we need to be empowered to know we are in charge of our lives and our health. Dina has been sharing her healing gift and retreats and classes for years now. If you wanna know more about what the healing that Dina has to offer, go to dina-marie.com. Today, we're going on a journey and this journey begins with what's wrong a little bit, but it also it ends with what's right. It's, an emp it's empowering you to be part of the solution. So hang on with us as we um, begin to discuss what's going on and, and then what we can do um, all together. And yes, of course, I'm talking about COVID-19, but it's not just that because the solutions needed now are the solutions needed in the future to prevent a shutdown of our economy from happening again. This um, experience we're having now has shown us tremendous weaknesses and where parts of public health and, um, uh, and medical health in general has really failed us and where the money has been going in the wrong direction. So we can come out of this better and stronger than ever. Um, we're gonna start with talking about the testing how do you know if you've got COVID? And then we're going to bring on board some healing protocols. And we're going to talk about the dangers of rushing a vaccine. That one's really important. And then we're going to finish up by talking about healthy immunity systems and what that looks like and what you can do as an individual. 
We're doing the show remotely today, so so far all's well. Hopefully it'll continue to flow well. I'm at home in Monroe, Washington, and my guest today is Dr. James Lyons-Weiler. He's connected via Zoom here from his home in Pittsburgh, PA. And the wonderful Benny, hi Benny. Hi, good morning. Hi. <laughs> Hi. He's in studio. Thank you for braving the public space and yeah. going into the studio today. Sure, our problem. Helping, our pleasure. Helping to coordinate us. And um, let me tell you a little bit about our, our guest. Um, Dr. James Lyons-Weiler is a research scientist. He's author of three amazing books, Cures Versus Profits, The Environmental and Genetic Causes of Autism, and Ebola, An Evolving Story. So you can see right away, he has been researching communicable infection and other issues for a long time. He's founder and CEO of the nonprofit research organization, IPAC, the Institute for Pure and Applied Knowledge, and he's a man I am honored to call friend. He possesses a quality rare in many. He stays always open to new ideas and new data, and he is not afraid to reevaluate his position or change his stance. I trust him because I know I'm always getting his most up-to-date and informed opinion and advice, and that if things change, he will let me know. In this time of COVID chaos, with the situation changing daily and information coming from all around the world, Dr. James Lyons-Weiler is a good friend to have. He's been tracking COVID since January, diving into the research coming from all corners of the world. He's got two papers under review for publication. So with that, I'd like to say welcome, Jack. Now I'm going to let our, our listeners know that James Lyons-Weiler, his friends call him Jack. So. I am always going to slip and call you Jack. I hope it's okay to do that for this That's show. That's okay. Well, Bernadette, thank you. It's also an honor to call you my friend. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, so let's get right into it. Um, let's talk about testing because testing is so essential in a situation like this, knowing who has it, who doesn't, so that we know what we need to do for containment. We know how fast it's spreading. Can you talk to us about the current status of testing? Current status is there. There are about 18 uh, companies in the private sector that have emergency use authorization for their tests. The CDC was the first that got their emergency use authorization. Um, this is where the tests are put out uh, for use of the presumption that they're going to be accurate um, enough to make a some some type of a difference. And um, you know, I, I want to try to stay positive. Um, we're looking at a situation where you know, we need to do better. We need to do a lot, a lot better. The emergency youth authorization process, I've been in touch with the people at the FDA who do that about this particular test. Um, I, I analyzed CDC's kit early on, about two or two and a half weeks ago. And I found that there were flaws in the kit that, that could potentially lead to um, false negatives there's been a lot of discussion about false positives. A false negative is where you've tested somebody, they have the infection, they may even have symptoms, but the kit doesn't pick up the, the virus. And that's a problem because um, people were released from the Princess cruise ship, for instance, that had the virus and um, they, were t they had been tested with CDC's kit. And <clears throat> I'm not going to dwell much on that issue other than to say, there are other options uh, other than the type of kit that, piece, that, that, that CDC used. 
Um, their CDC's kit is called a PCR test, which um, uses nucleotides. These are um, it's an amplification chemical reaction of the viral genome to, to, to detect it, to see if it's there. And it's part of the viral genome that they, that they assay. They try to determine if the virus is present in a sample or not from a patient based on this particular chemical reaction. And there's other chemical reactions that they can do from a drop of blood, like a, um, a, blood, like a prick for a, um, a sugar test mm -hmm. uh, for diabetics. And these are, have the advantage of being able to be conducted at home. These tests are called antibody lateral flow assays. Um, and there's a number of companies that have them, one of which I, I know of is Biomedomics, B-I-O-M-E-D-Omics, O-M-I-C-S. I don't have any financial affiliation with them, and I've never spoken with anybody at the company. But the benefit of this particular type of test is it can be done in the house. It can be done quickly, 15 minutes, as opposed to the CDC's PCR test, which requires a trip to the doctors, which is problematic in a situation where you have a contagious infectious disease. And um, you have to wait a long time for the PCR test. So you're in limbo for a while. And then the way that testing is set up in the United States for infectious diseases like this, the CDC has to validate every test that's done. And part of the problem is that the CDC's test had serious flaws. And so I have grave concerns over CDC's role in this, um, uh, being able to validate other people's tests when they couldn't, they did not do the science necessary to validate their own test up front first. That's a huge embarrassment, but more than an embarrassment, it's the reason why we have so many cases so early in the United States. People were allowed to walk uh, with, a, uh, with a false negative test. Yeah, and you know, I see huge problems too with centralizing at a, a national level um, the evaluation of tests, even if it was accurate. Because you, when you want to act rapidly, you don't want to have to be packaging something up and sending it off to the federal government. <laughs> you know, that we need to act more quickly. One of the things that I've seen here is the need for decentralization of a lot of. Um, uh, a lot of the medical issues that are happening so there's local control and you know you know you know me for years now i have been a huge fan of point of care rapid diagnostic testing and i feel like this is a part of public health and science and medicine that has been neglected far too long and you know all the money goes towards uh, vaccines and none of the money toward the really good diagnostics we need and the really good therapeutics that we need um, that's sort of the answer to, to what's going on right now. I would agree um, totally. The, the, there's far more talent in the cultures that exist in, in major universities in terms of creativity. Uh, PCR is an age-old technique. Um, surely we've done advances in technology, both in the private sector and at universities, that, that could lead to... Um, major changes in terms of the accuracy, specificity, sensitivity, the performance of these tests, as well as their, um, their turnaround time. And the decentralization message is my message as well. In fact, IPAC has put out a statement of condemnation of, of type uh, about the, uh, the CDC's uh, failure on this because it turns out to be a, a threat to um, uh, biodefense. It's, it's a bad biodefense strategy to mm -hmm. centralize 
um, all of the authority and responsibility in one location. We need to be adaptively responsive. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, we, we, we know now that when you have a complex problem to solve, you want many people working on the problem at the same time as soon as possible, you know, as quick as possible, coming up with the yeah. best solutions. That's massively parallel processing as opposed to CDC having to take center stage. I think it's absolutely the weak, the, the weak CDC is the weak link in the chain of our defense against pathogens. Yeah, and what I have seen once they did sort of open things up and turn things over to America, like, come on, American uh, ingenuity, let's get to it. FDA said, yes, you guys can go for it. People make tests. Let's start um, uh, researching the therapeutics. Let's get them into um, hospitals now. Uh, once things began to free up, it was very, very exciting to me. Um, we've only got about a minute to go before the break, Jack. So, um, Tell us a little bit about your back to work plan. We'll finish up when we come back from the break, but give the listeners some hope here. You've got an idea of how we can use testing to get us more rapidly back to normal. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in the short time that I have, I'll just introduce it. Uh, the Institute for Pure and Applied Knowledge um, a couple of days ago published a letter that we wrote to Secretary Alexander Azar at the Department of Health and Human Services. It's called the IPAC COVID-19 Put America Back to Work Plan. And um, I'll go into the details when we get back from the break, okay. but this is urgently recommended for immediate adoption. Uh, I know the President of the United States, uh, President Trump wants to uh, do something, you know, by Easter. Uh, okay. That something should be based in science. And having been involved in molecular diagnostics uh, while at the University of Pittsburgh in terms of research and in molecular pathology uh, for years, um, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've put forward five major recommendations, which we can review shortly. That sounds great. So, uh, Benny will be taking us to a break here. I'm Bernadette Pager of Informed Choice Washington with Dr. James Lyons-Weiler on Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie on 1150 AM KKNW. Curious about whales in the Pacific Northwest? Orca Network's Langley Whale Center celebrates and shares the lives of gray whales, orcas, and other marine mammals of the Salish Sea. The Langley Whale Center is a project of Orca Network, a nonprofit that is based on Whidbey Island. The Langley Whale Center gives Orca Network the opportunity to have a public presence to share the excitement about the whales and marine mammals who are our neighbors. The Whale Center in Langley gives visitors and residents alike a chance to learn more about the endangered southern resident orcas who visit our area and about the North Puget Sound gray whales, a small unique population of gray whales who find sustenance in the waters of Saratoga Passage and Possession Sound each March through May. Check out the Orca Network and Lingley Whale Center on Facebook for the latest whale sightings, educational programs and events, or visit orcanetwork.org for more information. You'll be glad you did. Are you feeling blocked? Are you frustrated or confused? If so, take some time to stop and step off the treadmill so you can receive the guidance and the support you need to take your life in a new direction. A client of mine called me a personal trainer for the body, the mind, and the spirit, and she added, Dina Marie does not heal you, she gives you the tools you need to heal yourself. 
If you're ready for a change, I'm here for you. In-person or phone sessions are available by appointment. Visit dina-marie.com to connect with me today. Feeling the need to get away and reconnect with Mother Nature? Located on Whitby Island, Earth Sanctuary is a peaceful and magical sculpture garden, nature reserve, and retreat center with two miles of nature trails, three bird-filled ponds, and a variety of powerful sacred spaces, including a labyrinth, stone circles, and medicine wheels. Come and enjoy the wonders of nature and experience personal renewal, spiritual growth, and healing today. Visit earthsanctuary.org or the Earth Sanctuary on Facebook for more information. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm Bernadette Pager of Informed Choice Washington, your host today. And with me is Dr. James Lyons-Weiler. And he's about to lay out for us his plan for getting us back to work as quickly and safely as possible. So what do you got, Jack? All right. So from a scientific perspective, using in-home testing, with uh, the t type of test that we spoke about earlier, a lateral flow antibody assay. Um, if the, the, um, the plan would go as follows. If you're symptomatic and you have symptoms that would lead to a COVID-19 diagnosis or contribute to a COVID-19 diagnosis, you need two negative tests one week apart taken at home and if you have two negative tests one week apart, you can go back to work. Now, it's not going to get everybody that has the virus, but it's going to get a huge, huge, huge percentage of people that have, that have the virus. Um, number two, for people with past diagnoses who feel better, one negative test after being asymptomatic for at least five days. So the minute that you test positive, then you would have to be asymptomatic for at least five days and you would have one negative test. Uh, for people who don't have any symptoms, but you've been in contact with a COVID-19 case, such as my neighbor, who's a nurse, who is now quarantined at home for two weeks, with, and, and the place she works for actually has COVID-19 testing. They haven't tested her yet. You need two negative results one week apart. And if you have no symptoms that's, uh, and you've never been in contact with a COVID-19 case to your knowledge, you have never been tested, you need two negative results only five days apart. And I also urgently recommend prophylactic antiviral therapeutics of some type or the other use starting one day before going back to work. And I state specifically that there's no time to wait for the validation of these tests by CDC, that they're not reliable. And I find their approaches antiquated and untrustworthy. Mm -hmm. That needs to be taken into consideration. We don't need any time delays from CDCs trying to handle the throughput of thousands and thousands of tests. No, that it sounds like when I first read this, it just seems so common sense. I, I really like the idea of it because it seems very safe. It sounds like it might be putting a lot of money into testing and yet how can we afford not to? The amount of money our economy is losing is so high that the little bit of investment, it would look like a little bit in comparison. So are there enough tests available? And let's talk about the tests like the one that you mentioned earlier that is 
um, available now. It's about $100 a test that you said. And it also will show positive potentially for other coronaviruses. So explain this potential for false positives and if that is a, a concern for your plan going forward. Sure. What we're really talking about is risk mitigation through testing. And it's one thing to release somebody who's a negative out into the public and they can spread the, the virus. And that's why these, this protocol that I mentioned requires two negative tests one week apart. <coughs> Excuse me. The reason why people might test negative is because they might not have yet successfully mounted an immune reaction. Um, but it's another thing to um, to test someone positive falsely because they have, say, a common cold or they have another coronavirus. And um, the, the the risk mitigation here is this person may have to be quarantined until they get to right. So if you if you're asymptomatic but you're a false positive, you don't qualify for it. Uh, you've never been in contact with a COVID-19 case. You need two negative results one week apart. It's a one week quarantine for one person. A mm -hmm. uh, one week quarantine for one person is a lot less harmful to our economy, yes. right? Yeah. And there may be 10% of the people that are tested. I don't know, it, it, right? 10% of the people that are tested that are truly negative might be false positive. So we're only quarantining 10% of the population, 90% of the people that don't, that don't have the virus can get back to work. And then if they develop symptoms, then they fall back into the category, okay, you need to go home and get tested. And so in terms of the availability of the tests, um, this exact test, the biomedomics, B-I-O-M-E-D-O-M-I-C-S, COVID-19 antibody test, was used by South Korea. It was used by China. I believe it's a, a company that's housed in Taiwan, but they have an office here in um, South Car North Carolina or South Carolina. Um, I'm not saying that this particular test has to be the one that um, is conducted, mm -hmm. um, but if I were president of the United States, which hope, uh, hopefully one day I never will be, um, <laughs> who would want that level of responsibility? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I would... Um, I'm sorry to say it, a lot of people are going to be upset. I would nationalize some of the uh, factories in the country and start making these types of tests. And I would use all the human resources that I could garner to do that. Yeah. And it seems like it would make sense for those at, at high risk of exposure to be testing every five days to see what their status is. So they can stay on the job as long as possible if they're in a high, like the nurses and well, I'm not sure testing every five days if you're at high risk. Like, oh, you're talking about screening people. Oh, so if people like are at the, at the nurses and the doctors, yes. those yes. people should be on prophylactic antivirals. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about yeah. prophylactic antivirals. What do you mean by that? Yeah. What, what are the recommendations? Now, I know a lot of the antivirals, it's very exciting. They're bringing IV vitamin C into major hospitals around the country like they have been around mm -hmm. the world, and they're having good results. I'm so excited about that. But you're, we're not talking IV vitamin C as a prophylactic measure, but perhaps high dose vitamin C. What, or what antivirals are you talking for somebody to stay well? Okay, so you have to really put yourself in the shoes of somebody who you know, is responsible for meeting, greeting, swabbing, testing, drawing blood, et cetera, from a, uh, thousands of patients a week, some of which are definitely positive for COVID-19. Okay, right? so we're we're, so, we're talking about the first line responders here, not absolutely. the average person. Okay, absolutely. 
Okay. And not, right, I'm not talking about EMTs that are going to stop at a car wreck and, you know, okay, right now we, my estimates are that we have something like 400,000 cases in the United States. That's a, it seems like a high estimate given the numbers, but there's a lot of people that are not, they're, they're just mild and they have no diagnosis. And so yeah. it's somewhere between 450 and 500,000. So the risk to emergency medical responders stop, you know, helping people with traffic accidents pretty small, and they actually protect against bacteria, against infections with masks and so on. Anyway, they already have the PPE, but the the people that are handling thousands of patients in the, the triage situation and the emergency rooms and so on, these people are definitely running into people that are exposed. And so when you look at the risk of therapeutics uh, that are by law, under federal regulation by the FDA, cannot be used prophylactically because you're not supposed to use them if you don't have symptoms. We just need to flip the switch and we need to say there's categories of people who are frontliners who we cannot afford to get exposed and they should be encouraged to take selenium. They should be encouraged uh, because it helps inhibit the cellular entry of the virus. They should be encouraged to eat a lot of garlic and do anything and everything that you know could possibly help. But I think that they should definitely be given the option of taking antiviral prophylactics yeah. prophylactically. And that includes things like, um, oh, you know what they are. I'm trying a blank, but the. Um, the pharmaceutical ones. Yes, the pharmaceutical antivirals. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we can't change people's um, medical preference right in the middle of a pandemic. And, and so there will be those who, who feel more comfortable with a pharmaceutical antiviral than they would going to, toward the more natural alternative medicines. But here I see a huge opportunity. You know, we, we see in cancer, the integration of, um, of Western allopathic methods with natural, they're bringing IV vitamin C into cancer treatment. They're bringing um, all these supportive things into it. And I see another opportunity here to have mainstream medicine understand the value of things like selenium, vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin D, <clears throat> zinc. Um, those things actually are medicinal. They do prepare your immune system to better resist or fight. Um, viral infection, and to have this this distinct divide, we it, I see some bridge building opportunities right yeah, now. Yeah, uh, so so when I when I was in, um, I, I saw integrative medicine come where, and there are people that I know that I've worked with that integrate, you know, uh, traditional Chinese medicine with what they call Western medicine or allopathy. Mm -hmm. um, th these people, if you if you had to get up and go to the hospital at six in the morning, and then you came home at eight o'clock at night, and all you did all day was swab or test or draw blood or triage or talk to or take the temperature of people, and you know that there's they're coming to the hospital because they have symptoms that are consistent with COVID-19. You are at such a high risk that the risk profile of chloroquine phosphate, the risk pro profile of falvavir, remdesivir, looks completely different. Yeah. And there's a lot of discussion among the um, naturopathic uh, favoring, the homeopathic favoring, the you know um, uh, community that no, the risk is too high. But you're not the one that's going in there every single day. Exactly. You're not the one, and that these people would also have the choice. I'm not talking about mandated yeah. antivirals. I'm talking about choice. 
Exactly, choice. And, and choice is always key in our healthy immunity community. Um, we need to take a quick break right now. You're listening to Lift Your Spirits Radio with Dina Marie on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm Bernadette Pager with Dr. James Lineswiler, and we'll be back in a few minutes. So are you interested in green building, energy efficiency, and sustainable practices? The Northwest Eco Building Guild is a 501c3 community of builders, designers, suppliers, and homeowners concerned with ecological building in the Pacific Northwest. The Guild empowers people through educational activities, classes, and events through the year. To learn more on how to go solar, conserve water, lower your energy bills, and create a healthy home environment, visit ecobuilding.org forward slash events today. Lift your spirits with us every Friday at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on 1150 a.m. KKNW Seattle. We will be introducing you to fascinating people, fun places to visit, and activities are guaranteed to lift your spirits. Miss a show? No worries. You can visit 1150kknw.com and click on our archive page or like Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie on Facebook for upcoming guests and events. To contact me, Dina Marie, visit dina-marie.com. Thank you so much for listening. Did you know how your immune system protects you from illness? Wish you knew more about what lifestyle choices you could make to keep your immune system strong? What healing approaches might work best for you? Well, tune in on the first Friday of each month when the host of Lift Your Spirits Radio will be Bernadette Pager of Informed Choice Washington. Bernadette will be joined by medical and science experts to discuss healthy immunity and how you and your family can achieve it. You can reach Bernadette Pager at informedchoicewa.org. Multicultural, multidimensional even. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host today, Bernadette Pager of Informed Choice Washington, with Dr. James Lyons-Weiler, our special guest today, who's been studying COVID-19 since January. He's got two papers out there on review for publication. And we were talking about testing to get us rapidly back to work. Um, safely and therapeutics uh, used prophylactically to prevent infection. Um, I want to segue a little bit right now, Jack, to um, to a vaccine. We are hearing everybody say there won't be a vaccine for 12 to 18 months, as if there will be a vaccine in 12 to 18 months. And uh, from everything I've read, there's never been a successful vaccine for this family of viruses ever before because once they trial it on animals things look really bad so could you explain to us the backstory of the the history of of trying to develop a vaccine for this um, type of virus sure so when this when the sars vaccine was being studied and sars vaccines it's not just the sars vaccine there's multiple people working on a vaccine at any given time different versions of it uh and when the 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 sars came out um outbreak happened in early 2000, like 2003. And then there was an outbreak of the Middle Eastern Respiratory Virus, MERS. The studies that were done involved developing a vaccine 
and um, injecting mice, uh, rats, or ferrets with the vaccine, which is fine. And then you challenge them after a period of time with the natural virus to see if they're, if they're immune. Um, and <laughs> this kind of study also has a safety component. It plays a very important role at the animal study level to determine if there are unintended consequences, unanticipated consequences, such as perhaps the animals taking the vaccine were more sick or had amplified, um, exaggerated uh, uh, responses to the virus or higher mortality than animals that were never vaccinated. And that's exactly what was found in all of the SARS uh, studies that, that, that I've read and the MERS studies as well. They called this, unfortunately, they used some phrase that is very confusing to the public. It causes people to not pay attention. Uh, they called they used the, they used the, they called this immune enhancement. That sounds like which, a good thing, Jack. <laughs> when, you're, when you're considering vaccines, sounds like a very good thing. Right. In reality, it, it's a deadly thing. And so I've renamed it pathogenic priming, which is a term that are, you know, we really need to start using when we consider the effects of vaccination in general. Pathogenic priming is where the vaccine sets you up for undue morbidity, that is disease, or mortality, death, uh, once you are exposed to either a second dose of the vaccine yeah. or to an infection of what you've been vaccinated against, or importantly, a virus that is a relative to what you've been vaccinated against. And it turns out in looking at so much of the literature on autoimmunity induced by viruses, pathogenic priming appears to be probably responsible for 90% of autoimmunity, say like demyelinating disorders, where you're exposed some way to a virus, you get antibodies that attack your myelin sheath, and then you're exposed again. It's the second exposure that actually sets you off. And that probably explains why we have flare-ups in MS and so on. You're getting a, a secondary exposure or a release of the virus where it where it, where it emerges again from within your body. And so... Um, Jack, that sounds a lot like um, an allergic reaction. I mean, you know, that once you are exposed to something, the first time you're exposed to it, you don't know that, you know, anything has been set up inside you for bad outcomes upon future exposure, like if you have a peanut allergy, but that next exposure is dangerous to you. So is this autoimmune reaction similar well, the reason, yeah, the reason why it seems so similar to allergy is because allergy is autoimmunity. We don't have disease by being exposed to most of the antigens that we are exposed to in nature. Mm -hmm. We don't get sick to it. And medicine takes kid gloves when it comes to autoimmunity, and they have pushed some of it into this framework calling it, well, it's an allergic reaction. But it turns out that things like asthma have a huge autoimmune component of which most people conducting Western medicine and allopathy don't understand because mm -hmm. they haven't looked at the science. They haven't looked at, there's a, there's a actually a move afoot to reframe asthma and uh, allergic rhinitis and these things that people think are allergic into autoimmune diseases of the airway. Wow. And I've, I was working on that just before coronavirus hit. And I'm also going to be working on reframing demyelinating disorders and MS as autoimmune disorders of the nervous system as a broad 
clinical category because it's the same thing, just met transverse myelitis is the same thing as optic neuritis is the same thing as MS. In fact, optic neuritis it can progress to MS. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's this, this spectrum and there's a spectrum that's named for that particular thing, but I'm not going to get into that. But but if, if all of these conditions that we think are the mysterious diseases, we have no idea how they're coming about, whether well, you're just allergic to something, just allergic to something means here, take this drug, it'll reduce the severity. But to get to the root cause of a disease, you have to admit there's autoimmunity. Oh, wow. You know, if you are interested in learning more about what um, Dr. James Lyonsweiler is saying, he's got a website, a, a blog that he keeps up to date. And I do encourage you to read the most recent thing, because as I said, when I introduced him, he is a man that stays on top of the data and he's not afraid to uh, change his stance or update his thoughts on what something is about. Um, so you will always get his cutting edge uh, opinion on things if you stay up to date with him. It's jamesthelionsweiler.com. And if you go to Informed Choice Washington to our radio uh, webpage, I have a link right to his uh, website. So the 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 concerns about a vaccine development for COVID has been amazing to me because you know um, you and I are both in the um, the vaccine risk aware community where we're trying to improve the safety of products through many avenues and we are hearing for the first time in a very long time from mainstream scientists mainstream researchers they are putting out articles saying we are very concerned about rushing this vaccine because of the the pathogenic priming as you have named it has always been there and it nobody seems to be listening and that is a a real concern here in seattle they did the first human trials on moderna's version and moderna's version uses a new technology that has never been used in a human vaccine before it uses um, mrna technology and maybe you can explain a little bit about that in a second and last mm-hmm. night i also learned that the viral component is cultured on fetal dna um, and fetal cells which is for a lot of people morally objectionable but scientifically as Dr. Deicher of Sound Choice um, Health Pharmaceuticals and the, the woman who discovered the adult stem cell has shown us scientifically having fetal DNA fragments injected into you is very problematic and can, can lead to um, a lot of unintended consequences here. Um, so, so there is this concern and, about this rush and I hear the media saying 12 to 18 months we're going to have one in 12 to 18 months so uh, you know i don't know what do we tell our listeners i i feel like they need to empower themselves with therapeutics and be prepared to stay well and to to nurse themselves through something should they be exposed because a safe vaccine is not guaranteed so let me talk about the technical details of that uh, mRNA vaccine for a minute by Moderna. It's actually okay. a collaboration between the NIAID, that's the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases in Moderna. Uh-huh. And um, this mRNA vaccine spe- uses an mRNA that, uh, uh, that encodes the spike protein. And therein lies the problem. My analysis of the spike protein, um, which has been an intensive analysis, shows that 
all but six of the proteins that are that are encoded by the entire uh, virus, in fact, um, are are what's called immunogenic, that genic, that immunogenic that they will induce an uh, an immune reaction. However, almost all of them, except for one. Um, actually have parts of them that match human proteins. And those parts that match human proteins, then these, these, these viral proteins can induce through biomimicry um, autoimmunity. And so in the spike protein itself, there are multiple places where this protein looks like human proteins. And if we are inducing autoimmunity, you could get pathogenic priming once you, you get the vaccine and then you get the infection. And it could set up the, if we, pop, if we vaccinated the entire population, we could set up the entire population to higher risk of morbidity and mortality the next time a virus comes mm -hmm. along. So what I'm telling people is you don't want the infection due to pathogenic priming, and you don't want a vaccine that uses this particular spike protein. So what I've done is to all of the people that I know of that are actually involved in vaccine development for coronaviruses, I have sent them the key information on the parts of the proteins that are one immunogenic that will induce an auto, uh, induce an immune reaction, sorry, and, and two, don't match human proteins. And so this is a way of screening for unsafe epitopes. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they'll listen. Hopefully they'll use the information. I don't have a vested interest. I'm not asking for intellectual property. I'm not asking for any money. I just don't want them injecting unsafe epitopes into our into the population. Yeah. And that's, you know, one of the things that our community has been trying to, um, you know, in, in this absence of liability, which I don't know if a lot of our listeners um, know about um, the 1986 National uh, Childhood Vaccine Injury Act removed liability from manufacturers and doctors who administer vaccines. Um, you know, so injury or death, it, it all goes to the federal level vaccine court. We don't have time to go into that right now. This particular vaccine now is covered um, under the PREP Act and an emergency act. So it, it, even more people have no liability if anything goes wrong with this particular vaccine. And so without market forces uh, really examining closely what's going on, there are a lot of vaccines right now that have in them those matched epitopes like the, the HPV vaccine potentially and um, hepatitis and, and so this is a concern, not just for future vaccines, but for ones that are already being delivered. Um, it's getting to be almost time for break. This is a subject, uh, oh, I could just talk on for hours. It's very important, but we're gonna, we're gonna segue to a little bit of a break. And because this is Lift Your Spirits, we're, we're going to end with some spirit lifting talk when we get back. You're listening to Lift Your Spirits radio with Dina Marie on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm Bernadette Pager with Dr. James Lyons Weiler. We'll be back in a few minutes. Down the track, you are, are you looking for a realtor? Rebecca Sayer from Infinity Real Estate and Development in Seattle is a real estate broker with a passion for helping people with an enjoyable and successful home buying experience. Infinity is focused on empowering positive futures for each of our clients as well as the community. With a deep local knowledge in green and sustainable properties and housing models, Rebecca is committed to connecting people with the right property. 
she can help you access a home that will increase your quality of life, reduce electromagnetic and toxic product exposure, plus your carbon footprint. Rebecca serves on the Northwest Eco Building Guild's Education Committee, where she is helping develop a series of courses for people who have an interest in living more sustainably, be it in a home or an apartment, through classes that share the tricks, tools, and resources available. To connect with an agent that serves you and your community, reach out to Rebecca at Rebecca at InfinityRed.com today. Need information about your child's vaccinations? Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization of parents, family members, medical professionals, educators, and Washingtonians from all walks of life. They believe in personal freedoms and individual choices, including health care choices. Their mission is to advocate for vaccine policy reform based on scientific integrity and individual health needs, to promote education about healthy immunity, and to protect informed consent and medical freedom in Washington State. To stay informed, visit informedchoicewa.org. Informed Choice Washington envisions the future where every doctor is fully trained in identifying vaccine risk factors and recognizing vaccine injury. Every child is afforded a personalized approach to disease prevention, and every parent has the freedom to make the best health care decisions for themselves and their families. They know every child matters. Go to informedchoicewa.org today. Need help getting started with self-help? You came to the right place. Alternative Talk, 1150. Give me back tomorrow taking all that I can stand. Throw the weight of the world from the palm of your hand. Gather around the fire, together we will rise. Welcome back to Lift Your Spirits on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm Bernadette Pager, your host today, and I've got Dr. James Lansweiler on the line during the break. I mean, we're talking 90 miles an hour here. It's I love science, and it's... Um, the world is, is looking at science right now, which is pretty cool. I, I think the more uh, knowledge is power and the more we know. Um, before the break, we were talking about the potential dangers of a vaccine and how if it's not developed correctly and adequately tested, we might be looking at creating far more harm um, than benefit. And so I think that we're going to segue from that, but, but Jack, I'm going to um, probably be calling on you frequently uh, to update listeners about the development and the studies that your safety studies you're seeing or that you're not seeing so that everybody can kind of be alert and make what we advocate for informed choice. You have to have full information to make an informed choice. So let's Let's stay on top of that as things move forward. We've, we've got a year or more to be talking about that. But for now, let's empower our listeners um, on therapeutics, on things they can do now, things they might want to encourage. Um, like I'm, I'm very excited that, as I said earlier, IV vitamin C is now being picked up in hospitals. It, it was been used in several places around the world. China has been putting out data and a lead um, vitamin C researcher, IV vitamin C re researcher right here in Seattle, Dr. Anderson um, has been interpreting um, from the Chinese language into English as quickly as he can to get us the most recent data on IV vitamin C. 
and it is working. So that's exciting to me. You know, talk to me about therapeutics and what you've seen out there. Yeah, so the Chinese definitely use IV vitamin C. There are 300 tons of, uh, of the type of vitamin C you use intravenously that were shipped to China. And, um, you know, I think people have um, a definite understanding that, that's be, that that seems to be very promising. There are a number of trials um, being used. And there are people, doctors that are just using it because it's mm -hmm. what they want to use to save their, 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 their patients' lives. And that's what we need. We need, uh, you know, aggressive um, approaches to this. So, you know, the, the, the antivirals that I've spoken of, um, and, and you're aware of, of, of this, that there was a massive computational study of small <clears throat> molecule drugs, um, yeah. small molecule compounds. Mm -hmm. And they found something like 77 that could be very effective and they provided a rank. And among those that could be effective against the, this virus. And among those were included many of the natural compounds that we're talking about. Exactly. And many also included pharmaceutical, you know, grade antivirals. Mm -hmm. China has a history with this virus that's longer than ours and they have done clinical trials. There's at least three allopathic uh, <laughs> pharmaceutical grade antivirals that show really high efficacy against this what the consequences are for tr i don't know but if you have double pneumonia and this thing is killing people you know and you can reverse it with um uh, a drug mm -hmm. then you know you have to take the risks uh, with the benefits and so um the fact that they've done the science is really op you know a cause for optimism the fact that our country and our scientists seem to have to reproduce the wheel rather than you know, look at the existing results and look over the shoulder of the Chinese mm -hmm. because they have more experience with us. That's that's uh, um, that's something that let's say that that should be a more encouraged to let's look at what people are doing in other countries as well in terms of testing, in terms of uh, therapeutics, social distancing. Yeah. You know, this plan that I have to get people back to work. I understand that it's hit the president's desk. We're soon to hit the president's desk. Um, and and. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping to start a conversation within the regulatory, um, a, among the regulatory agencies and within the, within the White House so, uh, social circle uh, and, and on the cabinet that maybe there is a rational way out of this rather than just throwing our hands up in the air and saying, you know, let natural selection have at yeah. whoever's going to get it and die, let, let them get it and die. So there's hope. <laughs> there is hope. And I think it's a very common sense plan that you put forward. And I do hope that the president reads it and gets his people on it and to see, you know, if we can get it implemented. Um, I was, people can read it, by the way. I don't mean to interrupt, but people can read about the actual protocol at ipaknowledge.org at the IPAC website. That's the Institute for Pure and Applied Knowledge, ipaknowledge.org. That's, yeah, very exciting. Thank you so much for telling people where they can go read more about that. Uh, the I was at clinicaltrials.gov last night looking around at all of the studies and and I did love what you were talking about, the, um, the computer that went through and looked at the spike protein and looked at whatever molecules were out there that might heal people. And it was, I was so encouraged that it popped up all of these uh, components of Chinese herbal medicine, um, 
uh, Indian medicines, cannabinoids was on there as really a good uh, possibility for for treating this, having to do with the inflammation and all the other things it sets off. Vitamin C was caught by this computer program as being a very good potential candidate. So this is encouraging. And then when I was on clinicaltrials.gov last night, I see that the Chinese have already um, uh, filed a study they're going to be doing. They haven't yet recruited, but it's in the green that they're about to do that. And they're going to be looking at patients that over the age of 80 that had severe cases of COVID and that traditional Chinese medicine was used on to see outcomes. And this is very exciting. It's part of what I would love to see moving forward of of the, the medical world really embracing that there's different paradigms of healing. And, And if we really want health and not just profits on on products. And here's the thing, Jack, that, that I'm really excited about. When you find something like a traditional Chinese medicine, IV vitamin C, some of these natural alternative, but been around for a very long time, antiviral therapeutics, these are generally broad-based standby. So the next time a novel virus comes along and you don't yet have a targeted therapy, we will have this wonderful toolbox of anti- safe antivirals that we can get on board as our researchers begin to five, find um, targeted therapies, right? Mm-hmm. So what if our hospitals had had on day one IVC and some of these other things, um, good to go. Think of who we could have saved. This is an area of medicine that has been ignored. Um, Billions of dollars are channeled into vaccines, which are always reactive, um, instead of having these broad tools. I'm sorry, I'm going on and on. I need you to talk. No, that's good. So uh, you're right. And this line of thinking is is absolutely what we need, where we have, um, uh, we can expect a reduction in the number of influenza cases uh, and other infectious diseases because of the social distancing. uh, uh, We should expect a reduction in the number of flu deaths. Um, however, uh, you know, we want to be positive, but however, if this virus is circulating through the population and it impairs immunity, which I think this autoimmunity against immune proteins might do, we could see uh, uh, the opposite effect. But, you know, we're learning as we go. We're in uncharted territory. I think people can feel safe and secure um, in, in that there are really, really super smart people working to try to find a rational way forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anyone is going to be proposing that we all just, uh, you know, admit defeat and, yeah. and go and, and, and let it rage through the population. However, I, I, I do encourage people to also check out videos on WWDNYK uh, studios, uh, especially the Unbreaking Science. I just did a modeling exercise this morning um, to teach people what it means to do dynamic systems modeling it during an outbreak. And I used a example of melting ice cream cones yeah. in a parking lot. <laughs> and, and I think yeah. it's important that people become as educated as they can about how to interpret what, what they're reading, because That's otherwise our brains will kind of just shut down and we'll go to fear. Yeah. And so I'm trying we, we desperately to, to, to educate as many people Definitely. as I can. 
Yeah. Well, Jack, thank you. And, and on that note, we do want to empower people that great people are on the job. Ingenuity is happening. And each of us as individuals are empowered to do what it takes. We can build health immunity in our own environments, in our own bodies. So keep researching, keep your hopes up, keep your spirits up. You've been listening to Bernadette Pager on Lift Your Spirits Radio with Dr. James Lyons-Weiler. You can find more at informedchoicewashington.org. I've got links to Jack and to some of our other people. I will be back on Friday, April 3rd and Friday, April 10th. If you want to hear more about healthy immunity, please tune in and make it a healthy day. Sweet.